0: Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name is Dan, and I have been asked, let's see, yeah, it's up there, to talk through our ninth week of Rooted. uh, And we are going to talk through sharing the good news and um, going through some evangelistic techniques. Uh, in sharing your face faith about Jesus Christ, and I thought if i 'm going to talk about evangelism, I should really start by going through what the Bible says evangelism is. Thanks Jeff. I did not know that was even there <clears throat> because if i 'm honest with you, I always thought that evangelism looked a little bit more like this. if we could go to the next slide. Do you recognize these people, yeah. So, I mean, especially in the Vineyard Church, we have these Christian heroes who do amazing things. And the first one here is, is Todd White. Everyone know him or some of you know him? He does an international ministry. He goes out on the street. He heals people with the Holy Spirit. He shares the love of Jesus. And it's incredible to watch what he does. The next one's Robbie Dawkins, similar story. He goes across the globe. There's even stories of him having rival gang members join up and meet with him. And the day before they were shooting each other, and the day after they're praising Jesus together. That's incredible, the way the Spirit moves through him. And surely everyone knows Billy Graham, right? He's filled stadiums, stadiums of people who want to hear the Word of God. And they came just as they were, and they left praising Jesus, and having a transformational life experience. So that's what I've er, imagined evangelism was like. And really, I see it in this church, too. Some of you have incredible gifts of evangelism. Quite frankly, I'm jealous of it. I mean, there are those of you that go to Target, and you share the word of God to a random stranger. I'm looking at you, Cherie. (laughs) Right? I get stories all the time of um, things that have occurred and Stories of the Holy Spirit moving. And it's it's incredible. And quite frankly, I'm a little jealous of it. Because if I have to think about walking up to a random stranger in Target, that is not fun for me. I know some of you do treasure hunts and you look forward to it and you think that's amazing. But it's not fun for me. If I'm being completely honest with you, it's terrifying. And I'm using that word... Deliberately. It's terrifying for me. If I have a visceral reaction in my gut, I'll get shakes. I'll be nervous. I won't know how to speak. And this is not a normal thing for me. And so, how do I reconcile my own fear and terror of speaking in an evangelistic way with the Great Commission? Can we go to the next one? So, The Great Commission is Jesus talking, and he says, go, therefore, and what is it? Now I'm drawing a blank. Someone tell me. Yes, thank you. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I'm called to be an evangelist. But did you know, and this was supposed to be like one step at a time, so you're surprised, there's a little bit of contention around this verse. Have you heard this before? Some scholars will say that the word go, those two little letters in Greek is a passive verb. And so some scholars will tell you go means get off your rear, get up and go and find people and tell them about Jesus Christ. But other scholars will tell you it's as you are going, or even some will say as you're being forced to go because it's a passive verb. And this is drastically different, right? So the second one, I'm honestly more comfortable with, and it says, as I'm going through my life, as I'm encountering people, as my sphere of influence is available, I need to make disciples of those people. That's a big difference. Now, it's a point of contention. Some scholars will tell you that's absolutely wrong. But what they don't argue about is the second part that's the imperative verb when jesus said make disciples he meant it so regardless of how you choose to go your command is to make disciples so how do i reconcile my own fear with that i'm commanded to make disciples but i'm terrified of walking up to a stranger And as I say, I, I'm hoping there are some of you who understand this. And you're like, yeah, I get that, Dan. Because I know there are some great people here who are fantastic at doing evangelism a different way. That is not me. So, what I found, and I had to do a little bit of soul searching here to figure out, why am I terrified of doing something like that? Why does that even make sense? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'll talk to you about Jesus. I don't care if you know him or not. I'm okay with that. And I don't mind standing in front of people and talking to them just like I'm doing right now. I'm okay with that too. So why do I have this big fear? And I didn't understand it until maybe a month ago when I was talking to my small group about it. And they were asking me why it's so hard. And the more I thought about it, I have the same reaction, that visceral gut reaction at work when I have to make a sales call. I'm not a salesman, so every once in a while I have to make a sales call. And I get that reaction of fear and shakes. And I realized I don't like talking to people who don't want to talk to me. Essentially, I need an invitation. The problem is you're not going to get an invitation to talk about Jesus from someone who don't loves you. They're not going to come up to you and say, tell me more about Christ. I want to know. So I want to talk to you about today. Today. For those of you that are like me and want to be an evangelist, but are scared of walking up to a stranger, is instead earning your invitation. if We could go to the next one. Yep. And primarily, earning an invitation is done through relationship. You need to love people. You need to care about them. You need to have non-Christians in your life. And Jesus tells us to do that. So I want to take a little break here and walk through how you earn your invitation. How you get in the realm of being able to speak into the lives of others. And I'm going to start with Romans 1, uh, 16. i I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures here. And I'm sure you've heard them before, but maybe this is a slightly different light. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew than to the Gentile. So first of all, if you're having a relationship with a non-Christian, an unbeliever, you need to not be ashamed. If you speak one way on Sunday, you speak the same way on Monday. If they ask you questions about what you're doing, and you're doing something with Jesus, you tell them. And I have this experience. I mean, all of my co-workers know that I love Jesus, just because I'll tell them what I'm doing on the weekend. I might say, well, I've got my small group tomorrow with a group of four other men. And we share all our our vulnerabilities with one another. And then we pray for each other. And we stand in the place of Jesus because he's with us at the time. I'll say something like that. Or tomorrow night, we're serving at Feed My Starving Children. And this is an organization that packs thousands of meals for hungry children. And they do it in the name of Jesus because we believe that if we love Jesus, we love the poor. No one's going to argue with that. No one's going to say, well, that's stupid. So it's just an easy way to say, this is who I am. You're being authentic, and you're not being ashamed. So in your relationships with non-believers, you just be yourself. Next is Matthew five 14. <clears throat> I'm sure you've heard this before, too. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we need to let our light shine in our relationships. We need to love other people. We need to do good deeds and serve them so they know something's different about us. But I think the biggest point I take away from this is, People who don't know Jesus are not just a project. They're not just another notch on your evangelism belt. They're people that you are called to love, genuinely care for. So if you're asking people questions about their life, who are you? What do you believe? What's important to you? You don't just take the answer as an opportunity for you to speak. You take the answer as an opportunity to learn about them and love them and care genuinely. Uh, And ask more. Oh, tell me more about that. I have a guy at work that's told me what his faith um, uh, foundation is. He'll say, I have a lot of faith in humanity. And I say, wow, that takes a lot of faith to have a lot of faith in humanity. Tell me more about that. (laughs) And so I'm earning the right to talk to him and hear him. And he's going to be starting to ask me things too. And then lastly is 1 Peter 3. I'm going to skip to the end here. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. I think sometimes we forget that last bit. So let me ask you, what are we being called to answer for? It's right there. Anyone know? Carly, do you know? What do we need to give an answer for? hard when it's not written up there, isn't it? (laughs) You are called to give an answer for the hope that's within you. Why do you believe what you believe? Now let's take a step back here. What does this verse not say? Does this verse say that you have to give an answer to every theological question that you're bombarded with? No, it doesn't. Does it say that you have to be prepared to give an answer for every question right away that someone brings your way? No, it doesn't. And I think we need to remember that because it's scary to think I'm responsible for this person's salvation and I need to have all the right answers. You do not. You need to have an answer for why you hope and why you believe. And if you don't know that, you need to step back and figure out why you believe what you believe. It should be a story that you're sharing. Yep. <clears throat> so if you do these things and you're prepared to answer and you ask people questions and you dig into their lives... You are earning an invitation. Now, an invitation is not going to look like someone coming up to you saying, hey, I know you're a Christian. I want to know about Jesus. I mean, that might happen. And if it does, run with it. That's awesome. But more likely, it's going to be someone respecting you, knowing that you care about them, knowing that they matter to you, maybe asking questions about your life because you've asked questions about theirs. And when you get that invitation, you need to run with it. So, when you get an invitation in the mail for a wedding, anyone know what you have to do with it? You have to RSVP. Move to the next slide. Yes. So you can choose, when you've earned that invitation, what do you want to do with it? You can decline. You can say, I'm happy with my relationship just being pretty deep, and it's been nice knowing you. Or you can accept, and you can go bold and say, this is my story. This is the point where you've already earned the right to speak. That relationship can weather some storms. Because guess what? If you start talking about Jesus, sometimes you're threatening people's hypocrisy or mortality or their own internal thoughts about themselves, and it can be stormy. But if you've earned the right to speak to them, you will weather that storm. And that's where you get bold, and you start telling your story, and then you can start asking them, what does Jesus mean to you? That's what it means to me. What do you think? And go from there. Now, the most important person in my life may not have ever known Jesus Christ if one of her friends didn't make that move and got bold and even made her angry. So I'm going to ask Kim to come up here and tell you a little bit about what happened to her when one of her friends accepted the RSVP.
0: So, right after I graduated from college, I moved to Chicago and became a nanny. Um, that's what you do with your college education, right? Um, and so I was a nanny in the city. And while I was there, God was gracious enough to, um, bring a friend into my life named Suzanne. And she was a fellow nanny. And as such, we became friends pretty quickly. And, just started doing life together. And not long after we started becoming friends, she started inviting me to go to Iowa with her. Her hometown is in Iowa and we would go back and forth as she was planning her wedding and whatnot. And we had a lot of time to talk during those um, visits to Iowa. And um, they were like five hour long trips. So obviously we had a lot of things to talk about. So. Um, it was on one of those trips when she asked me, um, some questions. And these were questions that I had honestly never been asked before. Um, but she said, um, she asked me first if I was a Christian. And I said, well, yes, I've gone to church my entire life. And so she followed up and asked another question. And she said, do you know if when you go to, if, tomorrow, if you died tomorrow, if you would go to heaven? And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> and she said, well, how do you know that? And I started getting kind of like uncomfortable and not really knowing like exactly what to say and kind of getting a little bit annoyed. Um, But I eventually said, well, because I'm a good person. I mean, I do good things and I think I'm, you know, I think God would accept me. And she said to me something I will never forget. She said, did you know that the Bible says that your good deeds are like filthy rags to the Lord? Full stop. (laughs) That was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? I just remember starting to become really sort of ticked off at what she was saying. Like, how dare she tell me that my good deeds weren't enough um, to get me in good standing with the Lord? Well, I left that conversation. I'm not sure kind of exactly how it all ended, but I know that I left feeling at least annoyed, but probably even kind of angry. And um, however, it started me on an unlikely trajectory, or at least seemingly unlikely through deeper searching, that conversation got me going. Um, I eventually came to believe another Bible verse that Suzanne had quoted to me that night in the car. She said, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Um, that not of yourselves is not of work so that no one can boast. So from Suzanne being brave and asking me some deep questions... Once, like I said, I had never before been asked in all my years of growing up in the church, I eventually came to give my life to Jesus rather than clinging to the faith of my parents, and that has radically transformed my life.
1: So that is an example of an RSVP that was accepted. And that's the challenge. Can we take our relationships to that level once we've earned the invitation? So what do we do next? You go to the last slide? Yeah. So first of all, I want you to ask yourself where you're at in the continuum with your relationships. And then decide what's the next best step you can take at getting better at this. So first of all, if you don't know any non-Christians, let me be blunt with you. You are a light under a bowl. You are not a city on a hill, and you're not listening to God's commands. And so I want to challenge you, find some non-Christian friends. Join a club, go bowling, I don't know, whatever it takes. Even if you need to be online, there are ways to meet people who don't know Jesus, and you need to get out there and do that. And that's the step that you're at. Some of you may know some non-Christian people. You might be at stage two. You know them, you're friends with them, but your relationships aren't very deep. You've never asked them much about each other. Uh, and so I would challenge you then. Ask some probing questions. Get to know those people. It's not good enough to just watch TV or watch movies or be together all the time and never know anything about these people. They have to know that you care and be bold. Or you might be at that point where you have deep relationships with people who aren't Christians. And so the invitation has been extended. And now it's time to RSVP. This is the area I need to work on. So you need to start being bold. share your story and Wendy's going to talk to you more about that in just a minute and how you can make that step and be a bit more deliberate in those relationships and some of you may have done that already and so now it's time to bring it home just be deliberate and invite people to know Jesus because you're not selling something they don't want you're giving them something they need and that's a beautiful thing and never be ashamed of that so choose one of those, and that's the challenge today. Take the next best step to being better at evangelism. I'll turn it over to Wendy.
2: If, could you? Mo- Sorry, could you move the podium? Okay, you guys, it's arts and crafts time. We're going to use the whiteboard. I know you're excited. Thank you. Somebody whooped. So my girls who are around 21 have friends that are in our kitchen all the time. And I've shared with you some of those friendships. And I have to tell you, their stories break my heart. Our world is has become an unsafe place. And I really believe that Jesus is the answer. I really do. It's not just somebody I need to, um, yes, I do. I hear my earring. So I don't, I don't look at Jesus as somebody I have to force on somebody. But that's not how I felt probably 15, 20 years ago, just so you know. I was more guilt ridden. I'm feeling like I had to do things. I love what Dan had to say. And so I'm going to share with you something. I was writing curriculum with somebody, and I'm going to share with you a little drawing that I use over and over and over. And I just used it um, like eight weeks ago with somebody. And it really um, helped them figure out like where they were at. So here's a couple things. One, the handout I gave you. I know I have handouts and whiteboard. I know it's so fun. So the five second gospel. I mean, some of us, like, what did Jesus actually do? Well, what happened? God loves us. We blew it. Jesus paid for it. We must receive him. And the reason why I put these different examples in here is that there is no wrong way to do this. Okay. And the reason why I'm saying that is when I started using these drawings, I would get nervous. Oh, no, I'm going to miss something. I'm going to forget something. This is a conversation. This is a relationship you're in. So I am going to share with you what's called the bridge illustration. Has anybody heard of the bridge illustration? Okay, so when I was asked, yes, so when I was asked to do this, Daniel also sent me an email, who is sitting right up here, and said, do you remember this illustration? I'm assuming this is what you're referring to, Daniel. So I'm going to share what I share with others, and here are ways that lead into it. One, people normally don't ask me about Jesus. They don't really care. And so as we are in these conversations and relationships that Dan talked about, I'll share, I'll ask them about their religion with my Hindu friend. And I'll just say, hey, well, here's why Jesus is a big deal to me. Or what's the difference about Jesus and whoever else they believe in? Or the one that I'm going to share with you right now is I was just with a friend of mine who grew up in a church. And I told her, I said, you know what? I grew up in a church, too. But I realized when I was in college that that was religion. It wasn't a relationship. And I had no idea when my college friends were talking to me about a relationship with Jesus, I was absolutely clueless. I'm like, what are you talking about? So here it is. Here's what we're talking about. So, God loves us. And so when I was talking to my friend, I said, you know, basically, I want to share with you, is it okay if I draw something out for you? And they said, sure. So I said, God loves us, and he is crazy about us. But here's the deal. We have rebelled against him. We have done things. I have done things. And you have, too you know, where we said, you know what, I'm going to go my own way. I don't care, God, what you want me to do. I'm just going to live life the way that I want to live it. Or I'm going to do bad things, or I've done bad things. So what happens, though, and I'm talking to my friend, is, you know what that did? That separated us from God forever. And what that created was a spiritual death. And that was the consequence of my rebellion. But remember what I just said about how God loves us? He didn't want to leave us there. He's like, I am so crazy about you. I don't want the separation to be here. So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to build a bridge back to me. And so I am going to come. Jesus, my son, is going to come and build that bridge back to you so that you can cross over and be with me. He will pay the sin, or he will pay the wages. He will pay the consequence of death. He is going to die on that cross and rise again so we can have life. And so as I'm talking to her, I said, but here's the deal. This is religion right now. This is what I grew up with. This is what my church talked to me over and over and over about. Jesus dying for my sons, God, all of that. They never once talked about a relationship. They never once said, hey, there's one more step in this whole thing, because God gave us free will. And what it is is accepting that. So I'm over here. I know you can tell, but that's me. So I need to then say, hey, and this is what I did on my spring break, college year. You know what? Jesus, I want you to come in and forgive me for all my mess up. And that's, some of you have heard parts of my story. I was considering suicide at that time. Please come in and forgive me. And not only that, but would you please come in and lead my life because I have made such a mess of it. So would you please come in and lead my life? And when I was explaining this to my friend, I said, and when we do that, we immediately cross over and now are in relationship with God forever, for eternity, which is so cool. Now, I could end it here But then what I asked her was, where are you? Where are you? Where are you in this drawing? Where would you place yourself? And she said, here. Right here on the edge. And I said, well, what's keeping you? What's keeping you from just crossing over? And, well, oh, my gosh, my 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 life is a mess. And then I just want to go, well, did you just not hear me? You know, that's why Jesus came and died for us. I mean, come on. Just kidding. So I just said, hey. And this happened with um, the young man I um, was with eight weeks ago. And his girlfriend, a week after that, all of them drew themselves here on the edge. And then all of them had very similar responses. And they said, well, do you want to pray? Do you want to ask Jesus in your life? Do you want to cross over? And they said, yes. And then I said, well, okay, do you want to do it, you know, on your own? Or do you want to do it with me? And then there's a pause normally. And then I'll prompt again. I just said, I'm more than happy to pray with you right now. Well, my friend said no. But. The two, uh, the couple the, that were dating, they said, yes, I would like for you to pray with me. And so we did. This diagram I have used over and over and over, scores of time, because I love that it says, where are you? So sometimes I'll say, where are you? Are you here on the edge? Are you here? Or are you here, way back here, and maybe going this direction? <laughs> you know, going out of the other way, right? I want nothing to do with you or your religion. Well, normally they say my religion, and then I'll just say, "Well, wow, wow, what about Christianity or Jesus has has been so offensive, so upsetting to you?" And then I get to hear their story, and then it just takes the relationship into a deeper, deeper place, and I love that. And then some people are here, and I'll ask, hey, what's your next step? You know, where, how, what can make you take that step forward? So we are going to have you practice this, but I'm going to do this one more time, more quickly. So, and this time I'm going to draw something else, because if you forget something, you're in a conversation. You can always do it. So, God loves us. (laughs) Thank you, Jeremy. Yes. He is crazy about us. And we matter to him. I matter to him. And we've rebelled. And so, we've done things where it's separated us from God for all eternity. And that has created death. Or if you don't even use that, you don't have to use that. You just say it separated us from a relationship with him for all eternity. But Jesus didn't want to leave us there. Oh, and you know what? A lot of us know this. We sense this. And so here's what happens. We do things to try and get back to God, right? We might Try and be a good person, like Kim said. Okay, I'm going to give money to our friends at the Salvation Army, right? I mean, they're out there. They do such an amazing work. I'm going to give them some money. I'm going to do something nice for my sibling or my parents or my kids. Or I'm going to, which is my story, I'm going to go to church every week. That's going to get me back to God, but it doesn't. So God loves us. We rebelled. And he didn't want to leave us that way. So he, in the, is Jesus came and built this bridge back to himself, and he paid that penalty for us so we could cross over from here to be with God. But it's not enough just to do that. You need to pray and ask him to come in and just forgive your sins and ask him to come in and lead your life. And when you do that, you're in relationship with him. And you are a new creation. So where are you on this continuum, on this drawing? I am asking you to think of somebody in your life that maybe the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind. Just pray, you know, and just ask God and just go, please, who do you want me to share this with? Who have you prepared me to connect with? That's the deal. Now, here's the other thing. All right. You probably aren't like this at all, but I get this inexplicable fear. I'm telling you, when I get into these kinds of situations, and I really believe it's the enemy that is coming to attack me. But one is talking about God in the first place or beginning to talk about Jesus. I There's this fear where, oh, no, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't want to make them mad at me. I don't want to lose the relationship. Don't do it. All right? So that comes up. The other thing is, if I can ask them, you know, my little bridge illustration, I, can I ask, you know, can I show you something? There's a fear that I have. No, don't do it. Again, the same mind games. The other area that I've starred is, where are you on this diagram? Because I have forgotten to do it. I have been fearful to do it. And then you draw the diagram, and then they look at it. You look at it, and you go... Okay, well, and what are you doing for Thanksgiving? <laughs> you know, so it's just, it's awkward, but also it's, I mean, it's good that it, the message is out there, but it's really about God just talking to them. Where are you on this? I want to take the next step with you. He wants to be in relationship. And then the third area, of course, is praying, asking them if they want to pray, right? The enemy absolutely doesn't want somebody to come into relationship. So Dan and I are going to pray over you, and uh, just a couple things. Um, Some of you may know people or in this room, which is what happened to um, the young man I was uh, drawing this for eight weeks ago. He had been up in a church going home, and they were strong believers, and he realized he had never done this. And he goes, oh, my gosh. I No, I've never prayed. And so he prayed. And he said, oh, my gosh, I feel like my whole world is now in technicolor. I mean, it, this is really good news. It he really does bring healing. And Jesus is already working on relationships in his life because the fall, that separation, separates us not only from God but from each other. He tries to isolate us. So I want you to know it really is good news. So those of you who are in line and maybe in here, if this is a step that you want to take, I just encourage you to do it. Pray with a friend that you came with or maybe come up here and we'll pray for you. We'll have a prayer team, a ministry team here. But also, I just, we want to pray over you all that um, for you to step out because you do carry the fire, right? That flame you carry. Each person here in this room carries that fire. So I'm going to ask Dan to just pray over us right
1: now. Father, we love you so much. You've changed our lives, done amazing things for us. You've set us free from sin, set us free from complacency. And we have a gift that you've given us that you want us to share with others. Help us to be bold to do that. Help us to be a city on a hill, a light on a stand, to shine brightly in a dark and hurting world. Help us to care about people who don't know you, to love them boldly and in your name. And help us all also to take the next step in our lives. Where do we need to be more effective with the people that are put in our lives? Give us the strength to do that. And Father, help us always to be ambassadors for you. We pray that you would be glorified through our words and our actions and that people would know you and find that saving light of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.